Okay, here we go. I really don't have too much to say. To the best of players in MLS 2018! You are listening to The Coaches Show with Chris Ormus on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Another season for the New York Red Bulls set to get up and going within the next week or so. We are coming to you from Arizona in Tucson as the Red Bulls uh, in the backstretch of their preseason preparations for the CONCACAF Champions League. Matt Harmon here from the New York Red Bulls Radio Network and thrilled to be back here on the podcast circuit. We start off our coaches show with the Red Bull head coach Chris Armis. Uh, what we'll do over the course of the next 30 minutes or so as we'll break it down to in a couple of a different segments. Uh, we'll talk about preseason. We'll get into some specifics in terms of the players and some detail, and then we'll wrap it up as we always do with questions from you, the Red Bull fans. Uh, Coach, I say a good afternoon as we record here to you. Um, and I say the, the backstretch of the preseason because you were down in Florida for a little bit of time, now a week plus here in Arizona. Uh, and it does come quick, right? I mean, the season, the off season, at least this year, um, very short as you guys made the deep run into the playoffs in 2018. You get the six weeks off and then the season's just right back on top of you again yeah it is the it is the back stretch of preseason and <clears throat> the offseason felt uh like it came and went there was a lot a lot of preparation for the coaching staff um with the combine and, and uh the draft coming quickly um sorting out player contracts trying to address injured players and and when everyone kind of goes their own way uh, it doesn't make it easy to, to piece everything together. But certainly um, for the coaching staff, it's nice to kind of get going right away. Um, in early January, mid-January, we got to start a week earlier with our Champions League berth. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. We love the group. We love preseason. Time to prepare. So we've had, and we're in the midst of, of recording some player-only podcasts as well. You just said we love preseason. Did you love preseason as a player, or is that, is that a coach thing? Because as the players come in, it can be, I think, a grind is the way that we've described it a little bit. But from a coaching perspective, um, do you look forward to it in a, in a completely different way than you did when you were a player? No, when I was a player, I enjoyed it, I, and I enjoyed it when I was young and I enjoyed it when I was older. Um, I, I loved training. I loved playing, uh, the camaraderie, always in good weather, uh, getting to know new players back with your, your friends on the team. And now as a, as a coach, it's, it's, uh, it's such a valuable time to spend in team building, spend in, in that's on the field. It's off the field, getting on the same page, getting the details, right. Getting the most out of every player, bringing the team together. There's almost not enough time as you try to manage workloads and game schedule. So you think of it and and everything for at least New York in this particular season is like the last couple of years. You've got the early start. You've got a Champions League game uh, in a brand new location against uh, Pantoa down in the Dominican Republic. So 
your preseason may be different than a lot of other teams in Major League Soccer. When you finish in Arizona, are you, you talked about managing minutes and getting the team together. It's probably far in a way from a finished product uh, when you leave here in February than if you would have had a whole nother week uh, to stay down here in Arizona like a lot of teams do when they come here and get ready for just the MLS season opener. Yeah, so much of, I think what every team is thinking about is is how can you get the legs back? How do you get the game fitness back without a ton of games as you try to get increments in 30 minutes, then 45, then 60. But while you do that, oftentimes you're not pressed to come up with a starting lineup right away. So that's, we've been under the gun to try to figure out who's the starters, who's going to be there, and then all of a sudden pushing minutes for those guys. So it's a little bit of a different approach. But um, one of the things that I've enjoyed is, is really trying to add to what we've, you know, so much of what we did last year. And then, you know, it's, it's, you do need time. So if you're trying to work on s- certain things, whether it's transition, attacking, or defending, or 1v1s, like, how much time do you have to spend on that until you think, all right, we're actually making progress and improving? So... Without rushing things, it's been trying to really look at some areas where we can improve, spend some time, and then again, are we running out of time? So, to uh, you know, it's been fun to manage that all, to try to manage a lot of players, evaluate, get guys on the same page. It's always a whirlwind, and somehow it pieces together and, and ends up being close to a finished product. So you mentioned last year, and it was obviously a great start to the season, uh, for New York making it all the way to the semifinals of the Champions League. And if you look back the year prior, I can remember having a conversation with Jesse, and he felt like a couple of years ago, the preseason didn't necessarily get the team ready for the Champions League. Last year, obviously, it did. So do you follow a, a similar model to what worked in terms of just team success on the field from last year to this year with, I'm sure, some own tweaks and little you know changes from here to there? But obviously what worked last year to get the team ready was successful uh, based on the run that you guys had. Yes, it's, and, and so much of that is on the field and so much of it is off the field. And... Um, yeah, we have a blueprint, and it's not, it's not something that we have to overthink to prepare a team to get a team ready. It has to be fitness. You got to keep guys healthy. You have to get guys healthy. And then understand and, and clarify who we are and then work towards that. We're a pressing team. We're a team that is hard to play against. We, we counter-press. We take time and space away. Um, of course, when we win the ball, we, we try to go vertical. We try to go quickly with some ideas and intelligence. So if you know who you are, slash, you know where you want to go, then you can kind of take steps to get there. And that's what it's been about. So that's two years ago, really. It's last year and now much of the same. Does it help uh, from a, um, I'd say, a, a player mentality standpoint, if you could put yourself in that position, if you know that you have this early opportunity um, a good 10 days to almost two weeks before the rest of the league actually plays a competitive game does it change what a player would do in the offseason they have to come over you know I would think Chris that they have to come in more ready to go than the average everyday player who doesn't have the Champions League 
It's it's an interesting balance that the players have to strike with our guidance, with our fitness and strength coach that he, Tony Zhuo, has to guide them in, in this area. And, and as a coaching staff, we made the reminder last season and in the offseason of the importance of, of staying sharp, staying fit, paying attention to all the, the things you can, can control in the offseason. Um, the good thing is that there wasn't as much time, let's say, to be away from us where that, that's, that can slip. So, you know, with, with the less time, and we have some good pros. And a young roster too. So the young guys never, it seems to get, doesn't get away from them as much. And the older guys, um, I'll say older, not old, right? So the Bradley Wright Phillips, Luis, Danny Royer, Mark Shikovsky, uh, and some of the other guys, Sean Davis, you know, those guys are pros and they, they, they have done a good job with that, that part of things. Take me into um, the month of January. You talked about the combine, which can be important to look at, at younger players um, in an organization that stresses young players getting opportunities. But then you think about the, the draft, and I can remember talking with uh, different members of the, the front office staff and almost joking with them like, hey, looks like you're going to have a pretty easy uh, couple of days because New York doesn't have a whole lot in terms of what they're going to pick and the number of picks. And then all of a sudden that day becomes um, not hectic and chaotic, but hectic and chaotic maybe in a good way because you do pick up and draft a lot of guys. And in today's day and age, that's almost the opposite mindset of most teams where they don't even pay attention to the draft. So um, in trying to look for opportunities to still draft guys out of college, what was it that maybe had the franchise organization say, you know what, we know that there's guys out there, we want to give these guys opportunities and do it a little different than most teams do in today's day and age with Major League Soccer? Yeah, look, when we're at the Combine, we approach that in a very serious way and even going there this time with, let's say, one pick or you know, in the first round and you know, we're like, all right. So some might say, oh, you have an easy job there, but we think that makes our job much more difficult slash, you know, we have work to do. We have to figure out who's that guy. And then in that, you start to see a few guys that you like. So now as you try to address positionally, uh, some of the positional needs, you walked away with Sean Nealis and, and Roy Boateng, and, and that's two athletic, fast center backs, both with good mentality. Um, and we had to make some moves to, we didn't have all the picks, so we had to, we thought it was worth it. Um, in the end, maybe if $100,000 goes out, you left there with four players. Imagine one of those guys hits, maybe four hit, but then all of a sudden you feel like, what what an investment of the uh, 100K. And then Reese Buckmaster is an outside back, Janish Loeb, a local kid who, you know, German kid, but Fordham converted left back. So we tried to go positionally and take a shot on some good, young, talented players with athletic quality, qualities that fit and the mentality that fits. You know, I've heard over the, the course of the last couple of years and thinking of the, the draft class uh, and a homegrown signing like Omir, um, not necessarily always what guys do on the field, which is obviously important, but what they do off the field, who they are, their character. Uh, that's something that's been stressed here um, since I've been fortunate enough to be part of the team, which starts back in 2015, and moving that now forward to 2019, how much do you 
do you as a coaching staff and Dennis and his role as a sporting director, how much do you look at guys' character versus what they can do on the field? What's the balance? The balance is that that's a non-negotiable. At this club, which is the entire club, um, there's zero tolerance for, for guys that don't, don't have high character and don't buy into what we're doing and don't ask themselves uh, and, and operate in a how much can I give manner as can I take. We're not, we don't tolerate guys like that. Cheaters, selfish, we, we as a staff and the leadership operates this way and the leaders of our soccer team, Bradley Red Phillips and, and Luis and these guys, they're the same way. So when we're scouting players, we're scouting the people as well. First, it's the person, then how the soccer quality is looking. Because players with quality on the, uh, on the field is worthless to us without the, the other piece of it. Because those types of players will never hold up when things get tough. So we don't need guys that, you know, we talk about guys that, you know, everyone can play when it's 70 and sunny. We need guys that can play when it's, when it's tough and when it's rainy and when things get difficult. That's the kind of analogy we talk about. I'll throw you one before we will take a, our first time out and then come back and, and get into maybe some more personal stuff. But looking at Champions League, which uh, will open up again down in the Dominican Republic, how difficult is it to find information about a team that you've never played before, a league that maybe you're not super familiar with? Because, um, you know, for, for, for Pantoa as well, when they play you in mid-February, it will be their first game on the field. So it's not even like I was trying to relate it back to a game against Guadalajara or Tijuana where they had almost had a season and they were in their year uh, for, the, for the teams in the Dominican. They haven't quite started yet either. So does it, does it become difficult to scout and get information as you guys try and prepare for hopefully another deep run in this tournament? Yeah, it tests us for sure because there's not a lot of footage of, of – uh this new team that they have. There's some different players from last year. It's a different coaching staff. So how much, if you watch some of their games from last year, as we have, you get to identify some of the talent that they have and some of the individual char characteristics of some players. But they have a new coach. So is it four in the back? Is it five in the back? Do they build out of the back? Are they valuing possession? Are they a pressing team? Do they drop off? Uh, do they play fast? They value possession. There's so many things that, again, when we present the scouting report to, the, to our team, based on the homework we've done, we'll know tendencies of certain players that we will see and the general ideas and style of play that that coach has had in the past in his coaching roles. We'll take a quick time out here when we come back a little bit more with Red Bull head coach Chris Armis. This is our monthly coaches show, our podcast here on the New York Red Bulls radio network. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. Back here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network, our monthly coaches show on the podcast circuit. Matt Harmon, uh, the voice of New York Red Bulls Radio, along with the Red Bull head coach, Chris Armis. Chris Armis, the 
New York native, born in the Bronx, grew up in Long Island. Uh, Chris, in a way, do I say that you loved this area so much that you never, in a way, left because you've always had those local roots? Yeah, I'm a New Yorker through and through. I lived in L.A. for two years when I got drafted, 96, 97. I spent 11 years in Chicago when I played uh, for the Chicago Fire. But every offseason, not most of them, every single offseason, every holiday, uh, it was always back home with my family, my mom and dad, Long Island. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is where, where maybe I'll always be. Speaking of your professional career, starting with uh, the Rough Riders, before Major League Soccer uh, even got up and going, and it's been fun to, to talk to some of the guys in our Players Only podcast, uh, which you can listen to us here on the New York Red Bulls radio network as well. Um, and we had some fun talking with Aaron Long the other day about West Coast versus East Coast, and he kind of made the idea of Tim Parker, a typical Long Island guy with the accent, with the way that he acts, um, is that Chris Armas? Is Chris Armas the typical Long Island guy? Uh, what's the typical Long Island guy? You know, you know we, we take some stereotypes. I know we take heat for for gold chains, accents. You know, pizza, bagels. I mean, you know, I'm always defending not just the East Coast, but but I'm proud to be a New Yorker because uh, the rap that New Yorkers get of being too hard, not friendly. For me, the New Yorkers, New Jersey, this tri-state, I mean, we are givers and we keep it real and we're honest and we tell it like it is, but we're always the first ones in my, the way I've seen it, in my family and, and in New York to always be the first ones to, to lend a hand. We step up in tough mo moments. We have thick skin. We are aggressive. We go after things when we want it. We, we're not afraid to work our butts off, you know? So for me, that's the, the part of New York that I like to associate myself with. Um, and I'm proud of that. It sounds like you just described what most would have described you as a player. Hardworking, get after it, uh, in your face, honest. Has that made it easier for you to make the transition from assistant coach to head coach? Do you still have those same qualities? And you think soccer is such a global sport and you've got guys from Europe, from South America, from different parts of the country, from Latin America, and your message as a New Yorker who's honest and forthright, uh, but will also give anybody the shirt off their back. How do you balance everybody's personality with that kind of, I'll say New York flair to your coaching style? Look, I mean, there's a lot of things that I think I, I would point to that have helped me prepare to be the head coach of the New York Red Bulls. You know, my experiences in life, my experience around the game, just the general ideas and, and philosophy that I have about soccer and, and people and about competing and winning. So there's a lot that goes into that that stems back to my, my upbringing, my family. Um, and yes, so much of it is hard work, but there's also that in my brain I see the game a certain way. So in terms of being a New Yorker, yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot of us, yeah, maybe we, we're fearless and we're not afraid to fail. Um, and, and when the, and we, 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 you know, in that dog-eat-dog -dog world of New York, when things are on the go, sometimes you just got to be aggressive and when you want something, you got to push hard and go after it. So yeah, I think I can associate with that and I think that's been important that I have that inside. Um, in terms of how, how you know, when you have so many different players from maybe around the world and, and different cultures and different, you know, 
different ages. Um, yeah, I just think that that when I say that I think I know something about soccer and I know something about competing, I think one of my strengths is I know something about people and that I can relate with anyone and I can get the most out of people and I can push guys and I can demand. And I think no one, no one has a problem setting standards. I think the challenge is holding people to standards. And I have no problem with that. I, don't, I didn't have a problem as a player and I don't have it as a coach. It's easy. Like, it's not about hurting feelings. It's about doing your job, living up to the expectations. And for me, I, I enjoy that part of it. And I think players deep down want that. You've mentioned uh, in, in the first couple of minutes here of our second segment, um, the importance of family. Now, as a father yourself that has a couple of boys who play the sport, um, how how difficult is it for you to be Chris Armis, Red Bull head coach in charge of everything, to go home and talk to your two sons about getting better and working hard without preaching as Chris Armis, Red Bull head coach and transitioning into Chris Armis' dad at home? Both my, my boys play play soccer. They both love to play soccer. I have no issue with the the part of separating dad from coach slash ex-pro because I drive to practice. I, I'm supportive. I don't critique. I don't analyze them and, and create pressure and stress for my, my boys. I'm, I'm the supportive dad. I try to be that support for my kids and I acknowledge their hard work and acknowledge plays that they make on the field that, that uh, are... are about yeah work and team and days when it goes well I I try to encourage them to to be humble and when days are tough for them I just say I acknowledge the work and that they am proud of the effort and and that they they stuck with it my wife is the one who's the problem on the way home she's the one who's the critic she tells them she she, might listen to this episode by the way yeah listen why'd you do this why'd you do that come on you could do better in a supportive way, but it's it's like that's the the soccer mom or dad coming out, and then yeah, when when the Red Bulls lose, I hear I hear it too. So from your the, wife or from, your kids, from the wife and the kids. Listen, Dad, why this? Why that? Why didn't you do this? Why should you know? And that becomes a little bit of the balancing act for me to, you know, I don't want them to feel the stress and pressure of a, of a job that can be that. I don't feel that pressure I just want to do well so it's there'll be times when you lose games and it's hard but uh, I I, I try to protect my family from from that a little bit Chris take me to uh, June late June early July last year right in that time frame where you know there was those conversations that Jesse might leave and then ultimately he did Um, those first I'll say a couple weeks, maybe a month. Was it a was it a whirlwind for you? I mean, I, I know, and we've talked about it before, and we always do our coaches' interview before the game. I know you tried to stress um, not everything was going to change, but as you look back at it now, six, seven months later, was that time extremely hectic for you, or did it kind of fall into place the way that you would have thought it, it should? It was hectic. It was hectic because there's a lot of things to consider. I was getting pulled in many more directions, um, you know. And, and then there was the part of of stepping into that role and pick up running, not miss a beat. Can I add to it? Can I be believable? 
and then quickly piece together the staff and, and paint a few different expectations from, from people around me. Um, a lot to assess, a lot to get going quickly. Um, all, all with the idea of, of keeping a, a steady belief and feel within the team that nothing has really changed as things were really changed, right? So it's a, a coaching change mid-year. Sometimes these things don't go so well. So in all that, although it was hectic, I did feel really comfortable. I felt comfortable with, with myself. I felt comfortable with the response from the team, with my the support from the guys, the support from my staff. So um, many days I'm driving home and I, and I felt good. I felt comfortable. I remember uh, having this conversation with Jesse um, I, I want to say within the first couple of years and when we used to do his version of the coach's show and him talking about putting together his staff, he said, the second I got the job with the Red Bulls, I knew I wanted Chris Armis to be part of my staff. Um, now, fast forward a little bit. You took over uh, midseason last year. You had a spot that was open um, and CJ came on. So as you formulate who you want to be part of it, was that somebody in your mind that you always kind of thought to yourself, when I have the opportunity to be a head coach at, in Major League Soccer, he's a guy that I can't wait to bring in. I, I, I knew one day I'd be a head coach, and I knew one day I'd work with CJ. The question was going to be, when that opportunity came for me, would CJ be available? And if he wasn't, I would never try to pry him away from something else he was doing out of respect to him and, quite honestly, the other coach, if he was an assistant, which he had been with Jason Christ all the years. Um, but yeah, when, when in that transition, and, and I, you know, I didn't start thinking about this on that day, right? All along, I thought if if something like this were to happen, even elsewhere, would I want to try to take the staff with me? Or if I stayed here and this happened, how would I feel about the staff and any additions if there was an opportunity? And, um, yeah, I would Preston Burpo. I don't think there's anyone better. Um, in terms of an assistant coach and goalkeeper coach, he adds so much, and his way of working and fitting into the culture is, is top-notch. Bradley Carnell was my roommate all the years on the staff here at that since he had been here, and we got to know each other quickly and, and closely, and, and his way of working, his experiences and work ethic and details and professionalism is impressive. So I thought he'd be a guy I could take anywhere. So that was an easy decision. I know you didn't ask me that, but that was important for me to consider because it wasn't just a no-brainer like to continue on. I wanted to go forward with guys that I think I can succeed with. And then when there was a spot to fill, um, C.J. Brown, had, had been he had been free at the time. So that conversation was a quick one. It was about figuring out some details contractually or, or logistics. Would, would it work? Could it work? But... You know, I know CJ really well. I played uh, on as a teammate with his, and he's. I knew all along that he's got knowledge that I think he could pass on. He has the patience required. He's got the work eth work ethic that is needed. Culturally, fits in. Talk about a, the person behind it. Um, again, I think quickly he's shown his worth that way, and I knew right away he'd be a guy that there's loyalty built in. You know, it's not the most important, but for me, loyalty was going to be an important piece of it. So, and all the boxes that were needed to be checked, he checked uh, so many of them, if not all of them. So I learned something about you that I would have never in my wildest imagination thought. But in between 
dinner last night and breakfast this morning, I understand that you had some major success playing FIFA from a video game standpoint. We can say major success. Yeah, I mean, um, listen, I <clears throat> when I was a kid, there was video games, but it was far different from these days. You know, Atari, Pac-Man, Sega, hockey, like the basic ones. So I show my age there. I'm 46, but my kids also play Xbox, FIFA, Fortnite, which I mean, I, I haven't figured out Fortnite, but you know, FIFA in the last few years. I mean, I'm there maybe once a few every few months. Where Dad, let's play, and I'm and I'll play. I don't know how to how to swerve a shot to bend it into the upper corner. I don't have the little details sorted, but I can get the basic things right. And I've been challenged by Arpen, one of our, you know, video staff, video staff who he runs his mouth a lot. So I, we had a showdown last night and I think I just willed myself to victory because I'm not very good at FIFA, but I know enough. And yeah, it was it was quite a scene. So thanks also, for acknowledging that. I also understand that the guys who are from Europe and that area, those are the guys that in the players' lounge dominate the ping pong table. Is that true? Yes, led by Bradley Carnell, the South African lefty that no one can no one can touch. Nobody can figure out. He's incredible. But listen, the French contingency, Flo Velo, Vince Bezicourt have been pretty good. I saw Aaron Long you know, holding his own. Um you know, I have, the, 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 our game room just got up and running, so I'll see some good battles tonight and over the next week or so. So, But, yeah, Europe is, is, is dominating that, that part of things. So think back, if you can, to your playing days. I mean, you had so much success between Los Angeles and Chicago, the best 11s, uh, at one point the U.S. Soccer Male Athlete of the Year, the gold medals in the Gold Cup, all the international appearance um, the championships, MLS Cup, the U.S. Open Cup uh, runs that Chicago had. What's the one thing that if Chris Armas could hit stop and rewind that he would have changed even ever so slightly about his playing career? What a question. What would I have changed about my playing career? Yeah, what do you feel like? Yeah, it's, I, I, what, what, did I, what did I miss? What did I not accomplish? Yeah, listen, I, I think that... <clears throat> You know, I, I, I don't know if I was in, f I think, f what was it, um, four or five MLS Cup Finals. I won one. Um, there was a game in, in 2003 against San Jose, Landon Donovan and company, and I got hurt in the game. And I, I battled through, and I should have taken myself off. It's one of the few regrets I have. Um, I was a captain of the team. It was, that was the year was. I was the comeback player of the year, but, you know, big deal. Like, I felt like I didn't help the team enough that day, and I should have taken myself off. I got, I felt like I broke my leg, my shin, and I just kept playing, thinking, I, I, how could I take myself off of a final? Um, that's probably the only the one regret. Um, in saying that, um, you know, I, I tore my ACL twice in my career, one on each leg before the World Cup, and you know, I, I missed the World Cup each time, but. You know, I focused more on the, the games and the qualifiers and my times that I actually did play, not so much what I missed. This is part of it. But I would say in in that, I, I kind of ran myself into the ground all the years. And, you know, that's why I have such a soft spot to protect players and not, 
even right before the Atlanta game, Tyler Adams, does he have a concussion? Does he not? And I was like, listen, we're not messing with Ty. If, if he can't play, he will not play. Who cares if we don't lose the game? And supporters may not want to hear that, but it was about this kid's life and his, his brain. So, you know, I, I'm mindful of this with players. And in my career, you know, I don't think it was the coach, like people to think, you know, like it was like every minute of every game, every minute of every game, like could I have listened to my body a little bit more? If I knew more, you know, what I know now back then, could I have managed some things differently? And I just, you know, I pushed. I was that guy that pushed nonstop. So if I could help myself back then, I'd be looking after myself a little more from the outside in. It wasn't like I was abusing my body, but man, I played hard and I played a lot. So um, that's one little thought about the career. But um, and then the, and then listen, I I had some really good coaches and teams, but I would I would have challenged myself as a six. What I challenged Tyler Adams and Sean Davis and Mark Shakovsky and Christian Caceres and Kofi and Chris Lemma. Can you play forward more? Can you have an eye forward? Can you get yourself forward a little more? Can and that would be the demand back then was different. It was I was asked to do some different things, but I would put more demand on myself to challenge myself to be a little bit more out there. And I was a good player. I was maybe a great player, right? But I, I could have done more. I could have been better. So this is the Chris Armas coach coaching Chris Armas player. We have just started to scratch the surface of what will be a monthly podcast with the Red Bull head coach, Chris Armas. Uh, we will take a quick timeout right now. Your game for a couple of fan questions via yeah, Twitter? of course. Love it. Man. All right. We'll do that when we come back. Um, great episode to get us up and going. Quick pause for us here. We come back, wrap it up with a, a couple of fan questions via Twitter here on the New York Red Bulls radio network. Final segment of our first Coaches Show of the 2019 season. Matt Harmon back here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Our Coaches Show with Red Bull head man Chris Armis is New York uh, in the backstretch here of the preseason getting set to open up down in the Dominican Republic and the CONCACAF Champions League. We'll wrap it up here with a little bit of a quicker segment. We've got some uh, fan questions that have come in via Twitter uh, first. And I've been waiting to talk about this because I knew we were going to have a question on it. Uh, the Red Bulls' newest signee, the youngster, um, Matthias Jorgensen. The question coming, what are your expectations for Jorgensen as he comes in? Yeah, oh, look, we, <clears throat> we see a bright young talent, talent in Matthias. He's a striker. Uh, he can play with two forwards. He can play by himself. His best qualities is that he's fast, and he looks to run behind all the time. He's not so much a guy that looks to dip underneath um, but man, he he's he loves running the line. He's got a knack for staying on side. Um, he's like a deer out there. So that's that's that. In terms of expectations for him, yeah, we 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 want to bring him along the right way. We want to get him up to speed with exactly how we work around here, our style of play, our philosophy, um, some of our pressing and defensive tactics. But that's the expectation that we have a young player. Uh, th th it's it's. In our minds, it's not a right away. It must happen and be there. We 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 know he's he's got some talent. He's got a mentality. He's he loves to compete 
and he's humble and works and runs for the team. So we think we have a, a good a good young guy in, in, in Matias. Next one here from TGW at Thierry Got Wings. What's your favorite thing about the Red Bull system? The favorite, my favorite thing. It's a great question. I, I love that we play fast and that we're aggressive. When we don't have the ball, we want to hunt and get it back. And when we have it, we want to go to goal quickly. So in the simplest way, it's playing fast. It's, it's being difficult to play against when, uh, when the other team has the ball. We are just relentless. And, and when we have it, that we are vertical and coming at you. Aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. All right, listen, if you, if you listen to the earlier, the first segment or second segment, I'm sure this is going to be a layup for you. But this is from Fernando Gonzalez, who's a loyal, a loyal listener to us here at New York Red Bulls Radio. Who has better pizza, New York, New Jersey? I mean, there's no way. There's no is there, is I'm, there, just, is I'm, it, I'm just saying it. Right, I'm just you, like, right? that's rhetorical. I mean, it's New York. Of course. Come on. I think the people, you know, New Jersey natives, they know that too. Come on. It's all in the water, guys. I mean, oh, it's, you yeah, can't, we kind of share the same. Water, I know, but it's we? it's listen, it's it's New York, guys, and I think we all know that. We're pizza and bagels. Okay, all right, second Fair to enough. none. We can debate that. Might be a debate for later, uh, another time. We won't we won't spend too much time on that right now. Eric Freelander has this one for you, Coach. You've got a lot of wingers on the roster. How do you make sure they get the minutes they deserve? and honor the younger one's development. Kind of a, a little bit of a quandary there with as many talented players as you do have. Yeah, listen, we, we love this, this challenge. It's not a problem. It's, it's something that, you know, many times we, we say that the lineups pick themselves. The players, it, they show. They show their quality and their reliability and execution up the field, right? So with an attacker, you know, you can say, well, I'm playing really good. Okay, are you being dangerous? Are you scoring? Are you assisting? Are you shooting, are you getting shots off? Are you having passes that lead to shots? Are you dangerous? Do you run behind? Do you understand our pressing? So there's all these little things that go into it, and then it's like, okay, it's, we see that, yeah, in the past, Danny Royer is a guy that's been doing that. Alex has been counted on. But now, listen, our quality's gotten better. We see Vince Bezicourt getting healthy. We have Andy Ivan, who we're getting close. Flo Vallo, we know is... Dangerous. We got Omir Fernandez, a homegrown that's had a, an impressive preseason. Ben Mines, young guy, and, and now yeah, it's a, it's a question. And we just traded for Marcus Epps, and I may have missed a few. Believe me, in there. Um, but you just rattled off about eight names. Yeah, listen, it's eight or nine guys that are right there, and we know that we have Jared Stroud on the on USL uh, two that's knocking on the door. So in all that. The answer with young guys, it's we do have USL. There's still guys that we can get guys games there, even that are on our roster. Um, and then, yeah, we, we have to make tough decisions, guys. We have to make tough decisions. We have, we're constantly evaluating and analyzing. And, uh, again, I think it's nice to have options now. So if we're playing against a deeper block, we got a team that maybe we need guys to run and 1v1 ability, it might be Marcus Epps, Derek Etienne, who I didn't mention. Imagine Derek Etienne, who's probably the best 1v1 guy. And Andy Ivan, they can unlock defenses on their own with speed and ability to run behind and 1v1 uh, um, qualities. And if it's a pressing day, maybe guys like Alex win out or combative or he has a good balance of both. So, yeah, we have some good options. Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to those, those decisions. 
Question five of you're handling these like a pro, by the way, oh. as if you've been doing this podcast for the last couple of years. I love it. Uh, this one from Paul Lopez. Referencing Champions League, what did you learn from RBNY's exit last year that will imp- improve and help you this year? Yeah, look, it's all about mentality, that every goal, every play matters, and that you know you have to just have such a focus and, and concentration level that against good teams, teams that you don't know, you can't let plays slip. Maybe we we let one backwards pass uh, hurt us, um, and that and that cost us. But I would say above all, I learned that we had a pretty darn good team, and that I learned that that um, our style of play is hard to prepare for when teams don't know us. So going into this year, I think we go with a similar strategy, a similar approach, stick to who we are, and then put guys in the field and, and, and as a staff prepare with, with the mentality of, you know, not on my watch, every play matters, focus, concentration for, for 90 plus. Now, here's the last uh, fan question, and, and this is a tough one. And when I say it's a tough one, if you don't like any of these questions, as, as they say sometimes, don't shoot the messenger. I didn't pick these questions. I don't, I, I don't want your answer here to be reflective of maybe somebody on the roster would be uh, Chris's teacher's pet in a way. But from Juan Escalante, which current Red Bull player would you have loved to have had on your Chicago Fire teams? You only get to pick one. One. One current Red Bull yeah, player. Yeah, no, I get it. You know, you, you, you just said we played in a couple of MLS Cup finals. I only won one. Who would who would have been a guy that would have put you over the top? Listen, this it's a good it's a good question. I'm not going to sit on the fence. It's Bradley Wright Phillips. It's got to be Brad, a guy that w- doesn't need a lot of chances to score. The most humble guy. He's a competitor and a winner. Plays and runs for the team. He scores. He presses. He counter presses. Um, he's durable. He's fast. Um, and maybe he can get me a few assists. Get you a few assists. Yeah, I'm thinking for myself here for yeah. sure. Just well, kidding. Listen. But he, you know what I'm saying? I can. He, I'd have that we'll guy up the field. Um, yeah, that that'd be that'd be pretty neat to to play alongside or underneath Brad there. One last thing before I let you go, and in preseason mode, and I'm sure it will happen a little bit during the course of the the season, as as it always does. Um, but thinking of guys that could pad your stat line, you still like to get in and, and mix it up a little bit during training sessions, I've noticed. Listen, I knew it the last couple of years as an assistant coach because in a way sometimes you're needed, but now as a head coach, you still do throw the, throw the boots on and, and like to mix it up. I'd say this confidently. If the World Cup level was played inside this hotel room, I could still play. Unfortunately, it's on 120 by 75, and I cannot play. So on days that we play 5v2, tight spaces... You're good for the Rondos. I can play that. And listen, it's, it's really limited to that. I don't play in sessions. I don't, I, I'm, it's days when, when it's a, a regeneration session, and it's 5v2. I can hold my own because the feet still work, the brain's still there, and, the, and there's some passion still to, to, to carry my weight. So again just in small side of things. I know it's a, a busy time for you. 
uh, but taking taking this time and giving it to us to get this podcast back up and going, our coaches show. Appreciate you coming by. Look forward to doing uh, doing this with you at least once a month. Matt, I'm I'm grateful to be on the show. Um, anytime that I can can be part of this, I'm I'm willing. And I just want to thank all the supporters, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Tell your your friends and colleagues tune in. We we love the support and and. Uh, we'll see you next time. I like that you said that, but I will tell you this. Keep in mind, it's the coach's show. So actually, I'm here because of you. So it all it all kind of works together. Right. It's just Perfect. One, one big yes. piece of the puzzle. That is Red Bull head coach Chris Armis. Uh, we will see you down in the Dominican Republic. We'll do our coach's show podcast once a month. Don't forget as well, uh, Steve, Jolly, Steve Jolly and I will be doing stuff during the course of the year. We've got our players-only podcast. A lot of good stuff for you in the 2019 season on the New York Red Bulls radio network. Our thanks to Gordon Stevenson, the head coach Chris Armis. I'm Matt Harmon. Talk to you soon.